Hello, fans and enemies alike. It's another episode of the Scallywag and Big Kenny. Okay. <laughs> what up there, Kenny? We're going to uh, talk about some we've been doing for the last couple of podcasts. We were covering the war, and we're not going to let go of that. But we're going to try to spice it up and put some stuff in there that everybody cares about. Not everybody cares about the war. People try. You know, it's kind of like you ever drove down a freeway and you've seen a horrible accident, and a lot of people slow down to look at it. And a lot of yeah, people, yeah, they're looking at it because they want to see that stuff. But some people avert their eyes because they don't want to. They don't want that picture in there in their head, you know, they don't want yeah. to, you know, cause one time I was driving down the freeway and this is when my mom and pops was alive and I was driving from, that was back in, we, I was the only one in the family had a Costco membership, which was, you had a Costco membership? yeah, I had a Costco membership before anybody, uh, well, how's Costco yeah. been going on? huh? How long Costco been going on? How old were you when you had it? Oh gosh, I was 20, 25 years old. Oh, okay. Yeah, I but I got a. It was called Price Club before it was Costco. So Price, uh, Price Club was the name of it. Okay. Yeah. And, um, so I had a Price Club membership, and I was just talking to my friend uh, when I got my job as a firefighter. That was one of the benefits because when I was in the military, for some strange reason, I don't know why the reason was, but they wouldn't let you join. Uh, price club if you were in the military i don't know okay yeah you couldn't join so i got out of the military and i joined to the fire department and uh when they were telling you the benefits they said oh you get a free membership to price club so okay so the next the next weekend i was down there and i got a this was back in about 1983 so i got a membership in 1983 so probably about 1980 or 85 i went down there to visit my mother and father in california and they had one in they they didn't have a lot of them in california but they had one in uh san diego so we drove down to san diego and on the way back yeah what was that that was for a long drive to go to price club. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they wanted to see it so i showed it to them and i told them hey this is big warehouse you can buy stuff real cheap with so they decided they wanted to do it. And then they got a membership. So they had a, I think they had a membership until they died. But anyway, long story short, we're driving back from uh, San Diego. And uh, on the, the traffic slowed down. And there was like uh, three people laying on the side of the road. And they were both all dead. They had pulled them out of a car. And, mm. and I looked over there. So for the rest of my life, I have that picture of those three people. Uh, in my memory bank you know and i have a pretty good memory so that, <laughs> that's never left me so anyway okay but that's that's uh what i'm saying about the war people have uh either avoid it or they can't get enough of it they'll sit there and watch the show over and over again and you know and there's really nothing that me or you or anybody else can do we can spout our opinion but, uh, you know, nothing, our wishes and thoughts are not going to change. And maybe your prayers will. I don't, you know, that's up to you and the man above. But anyway, what we're going to talk about today is that uh, 
we're going to talk about this new guy that became Speaker of the House. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. Now, see, Kenny was originally from Louisiana. And so this guy, yeah. he comes from, this is Kenny's neck of the woods. And um, I've been doing a little research. I'm looking at uh, some newscasts. And it says, uh, Mike Johnson, who's ran unopposed three times. And I think he's only, well, I think he what he came in in what two thousand sixteen, so, and, and so that would get add six years to that. So, uh, you know, he may have had a. Um, let me see here. Let me look and see this news uh, footage. Run on the polls, like nobody. Oh, yeah, nobody even... ran against him <laughs> because was... he's a good old boy. Nobody's going to run against him. So, uh, uh, you don't want to be a. A Democrat in Johnson, uh, uh, you don't want to be in a democracy, Johnson said at the time of majority rule. Not always, majority rules, not always a good thing. This is some of his uh, speeches that he said. So, you know, uh, he doesn't, I don't think he really believes in democracy. He believes in uh, majority rule, though. <laughs> so, because uh, that's how that's how he got to his got to where he is. So um, yeah, you know. Um, let me go on here. Uh, publicly available election data on uh, Ballotpedia backs up uh, a claim in 2015. Johnson was already sworn in on February third weeks prior to the February 21st special election for a vacant seat in Louisiana House of Representatives as he ran unopposed. That fall, Johnson once again unopposed in October 24th blanket primary gave Johnson a full term in the Louisiana House without once facing any primary or general election opposition. Hmm. Mm. The closest election that Johnson had was likely in 2016 in the Republican primary for Louisiana's 4th Congressional District. But even then, he won. Even then, he won with a remarkably low vote share. According to Ballotpedia, Johnson came in second place in an eight-way jungle jangle primary with less than 25% of all the votes cast. But then he beat a Democrat opponent in a general election with more than 65% of the vote. So he's not like the, uh, the great popularity guy. But anyway, uh, Johnson's lopsided victory in 2016, along with other similar one-sided routes of his Democratic opponents in 2018, 2020, and 2022, in which he ran unopposed yet again, without even appearing on the ballot. <laughs> Not even appearing? He, he, he wasn't even on the ballot could be a tribute to Louisiana's Republican gerrymandering of his district in 2019. 
University of Notre Dame conducted a study of jury mandarin in uh, Louisiana and found that the practice of cracking and packing in which major black communities are cracked apart for weakening their voter share and packed into heavily Republican areas was most prominent in Johnson's district. No. Cracked in most, cracking is most evident in District 4 and District 5, where blacks and liberal votes in the northern corners of the state is diluted by districting these prairies to parishes, I'm sorry, got my tongue tied, together with those of processing a high percentage of Republican and white voters, the study read. Results in the state is five Republican districts and one Democratic district. Huh, go figure. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Corruption in Louisiana. How could that be there, Kenny? I can't Jeez, believe that. <laughs> corruption in that motherfucker. <laughs> well, hey, I'm going to have to take your word for it because you live there. So longer than I uh, ever lived there, I never lived there. So uh, anyway. Cop out there. What was that? Yeah, I was a cop out there. Yeah, so you know. <laughs> but anyway, so, and uh, here's some more news about him. He says, uh, Mike, Johnson, Mike Johnson's far views are a Democratic opposition's research dream for 2024 report. Okay. Now, this guy has some... Um, interesting views he is against everything you know mm-hmm. okay uh, so in an article by axios uh, axios on october 22nd uh, i don't know october 22nd oh yeah that's already passed justin green reports that democratic strategists and organ and organizers are well aware of johnson far white right views and planning to use them against the GOP in a general election in 2024. Now the Republicans have chosen Johnson as the House Speaker. Okay. New new House Speaker Mike Johnson doesn't have a national profile until this week, but his 20-year paper trail in the opposition research is an opposition research dream green explains what matters johnson is one of the most socially conservative speakers in modern memory often far to the right of former president trump and democrats are ready to make him a central figure in their 2024 campaign johnson is making it easy on his researchers with reams of op-eds and newspaper columns paired with legislation he recently introduced and supported. Okay. According to Democrats, will Johnson's position on everything from abortion to same-sex marriage and evangelical Christian fundamentalist Johnson is a longtime ally of the ally of the Republican of the religious right. 
I said Republican right. He's Johnson is a longtime ally of the religious right. A Democratic strat, strategist quoted anonymously told Axio he's actually has been has years of material freestyling right wing rhetoric that nobody has looked under the hood. Okay, Green notes that Johnson has a long history of anti-gay comments in an op-ed published in the Sweetport Times. Is that a big paper in Louisiana? Uh, the Times Picayune. Oh, I know the Times Picayune. I used to read it when I came there to visit. On September yeah. 12, 2004, Johnson slammed same-sex marriage as an assault on traditional values. Johnson wrote, homosexual relations are inherently unnatural and the study <laughs> clearly shows are ultimately harmful and costly for everyone. Society cannot give its stamp of approval on such dangerous lifestyle. Now, see, Kenny, I don't even know your uh, feelings on that. What is your feelings on gay marriage? Look, bro, long as they happy, that's, that's all that matters yeah, to me. <laughs> you know, I don't care. As long as you don't come to me with it, I'm cool. I'm hey, happy for them. Hey, I, hey, you know what I say? I don't well, care as long as it doesn't affect me. And it doesn't affect me. One of my yeah. friends, so uh, I had a, uh, an, this was last week, I had, he called me up, and he's deeply religious. And he says, it's against God's law. It's got. God's law. I said, yes. He said, it does harm you. I said, no, it doesn't harm me because, you know, it's not affecting me. Whatever they do, they're going to have to be held accountable. If there is uh, judgment on that issue, then they'll be have to held accountable. But, yeah, because then you say only God, God can judge you. Yeah. And, and we ain't got nothing to do with it. You know right. what I mean? And Monday goes out of it. Yeah. As so and and you know that I think that's uh, uh, one of the things uh, we call that our society is a derivative of Puritanism, where we want to make we want to enforce through um, peer pressure uh, mores on people. You know, we mm-hmm. you know like um, there's some countries in in South America where you can't get a divorce. You know, and to me, I thought. What 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 business is it of the state for you to be in your marriage? Because <laughs> some things don't work out. You know, not everybody can be happy. Some people because you know, they put on a mask when you get when you're dating them and you don't know who they are. But uh sooner or later those people show who they are, you know? Some of them are infantile. You know, there's some people who, um, you know, they're so, um, what can I call it? They're so insecure in their relationship. Uh, I was at Costco. This is another Costco story. I was in Costco, and I lived next to a bunch of old people. So there was an old man, and he was shopping in Costco, and there was this this, uh, elderly lady. She looked good. Okay. She was wearing, you know, she had a nice blouse on and everything. And the guy commented, 
He said, oh, he said, uh, excuse me, beautiful lady. Could you tell me something? He was asking about a product. You know, he was trying to pick her up. But then her husband came in there and he goes, uh, you trying to pick up your wife? My pick up my wife, and then you know, and he says, he said, well, sir, I didn't know you. She was married. I didn't. And he said, didn't you see a ring? He said, no, I didn't look at that. But uh, no, I I didn't see a ring. And he says, we said, well, I'd kick your ass. This is such. I thought to myself, wow, wow. I don't know where you stand on that, but I believe that uh, you know, love is a gift. It's given freely to that end to you by that individual there is nothing on god's green earth that you can do to anyone that don't want you okay there's nothing you could do you could try to uh, lock them up in the basement do all these kind of things there's nothing you can do once that person comes with their head that they don't want to be with you anymore it's over okay you know if love is their gift to you you know, that's some, I know you what you're going to say, you know, that's some crazy wisdom, but that's my wisdom that love is a gift. And you know why it's a gift? It's designed that way, Kenny, because you have to cultivate that all the time. You have to do things to make that person say, oh, I chose right. Uh, so you can tell me if I'm wrong. Right here. Okay. I didn't hear you. Did you say something when I asked you? Yeah, I think the phone did something. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead. A redo. Go ahead. What's your opinion on that? And there's so much shit going on. Like, like I've always said, bro. You have to. You know how they be doing background checks on us? Yeah. We 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 really need to sit down and do background checks on these people, man. Yeah. Well. Okay. But you didn't answer my question about love being a gift. See, I'm doing philosophical here. You know? Love being a gift. Yeah, because I, I was saying that uh, there is nothing that any person can do if you, if that person decides they don't love you. And, yeah. And to try to force that person to love you, you know, I've seen it. You've probably seen it too. Haven't you ever seen yeah. a man to try so hard to make somebody uh, love them that, you know, that, you know, chases after them, sits out there. You see all those little romance movies with a guy standing outside the door, holding up a radio and saying, you know, doing all this stuff. But what I found is something my uncle told me a long time ago. You know what he said? Well, you go for who goes for you. Huh? Yeah. Because the shit don't work. When they don't go for you. <laughs> See? Yep. So anyway, that's that's my uh I, I went off the path here, but uh he's against gay marriage. Let me see, whatever. Uh he says uh uh Johnson favors several abor- abortion restrictions in January twenty one twenty 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 three tweeted the Louisiana Republican wrote and now finally because Roe versus Way have been overturned last summer, and Louisiana is now profoundly a pro-life state. We will get the number of abortions to zero. Everyone deserves a birthday. Thank God. Yeah, see. Now, I don't think 
abortion should be a form of birth control. But I think that uh, this is my own opinion. You can interject yours because, see, we we never talked about this. You know, we're cousins, (laughs) but we never we never had these political and uh, discussions, but I believe that a woman who's carrying the baby should be the arbiter of her body, not me, yep. not you. Uh, it should be the woman because she's going to have to take the risks. And who is going to raise that kid? If you disappear tomorrow, that woman is going to be stuck with that kid, you know. So, you know, I, I believe that a a woman has the, the, uh, should be in judgment of her body. You can't. And now if, what if there was the other way around, they invented something that, oh, they can inject a man to have a baby. And they say, okay, well, you have to have a baby. Would you be uh, on board with that? Telling you that you have to. Yeah, well, they said if uh, men were able, if men were uh, able to get uh, pregnant, they say abortion would be a a sacrament. It was sac- a sacrament? Is that what they call it? Where you get yeah, some, yeah. So you're you're into this. You're a a, a lot more um, profound as a Catholic than I am. So. <laughs> Ain't no way, bro, man, gonna go through all that fucking pain, bro. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if, uh, and these people who are looking at out, uh, talk about marriage, talk about this, and he's into this thing called covenant marriage where there's only, uh, two ways you can get out of your marriage. And that is, if uh, you commit adultery or I think you abuse the other person, you know, Hey, that's fine. If you and your wife wants to do that, Hey, I'm all for it. Because I believe that, you know, I don't look at it, you know, when I looked at my mother and father, you know, and yeah. nobody knows, only my family know my mother and father. But I'm going to tell you something that I believed in my mother and father. When I looked at my mother and father, they were not the example of marriage for me. Okay. <laughs> they weren't, you know, <laughs> and I'm not being abusive. I'm just saying that they would do things and, you know, have fights and stuff like that. And I've been married for 43 years and I've never had none of, not even close to a fight like that, you know, never had, yeah, I've never had any of the things because I thought to myself, if I have to live with somebody and, and have to, you know, call them names and do all this stuff, why was I doing it? You know? That shit used to be comical, bro. Oh, you know, because you lived there, didn't you? Yeah. That so, shit used to be so, I used to put me and your daddy on punishment, bro. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, hey, and they would curse and call each other names that, oh. Yes, I have never, like I told you, I've been married for 43 years. I've never called my wife not one name in 43 years. And if you don't believe it, when the next time you see her, you ask her, say, hey, if he ever called you a name, she'll say no. But she's called me a few, but I have never called her any name. So, you know, that's, but that's what I'm saying. I think people should stay the fuck out of other people's business as the state cannot assign the responsibility 
it it can you know if you want if they want to give out marriage license of course you have to do that because see there's a benefits thing here you have a wife and you have life insurance and stuff like that there has to be some type of way to prove that that was your wife okay so you got you got a license you get a birth certificate when your child is born but they don't get come when you get the birth certificate the manual don't come with the kid mm-hmm. you know they tell you you can raise them within reason the way you want to you don't abuse them you don't treat them bad but you get to raise them and that's the same thing about marriage my thing with my mother and father i thought they had the most dysfunctional marriage that i've ever seen okay okay now years later when my father passed away my mom was so devastated that she was so torn up she was devastated. I mean, she yeah. she was in. You know, you you you've been around her, so yeah. you were around her, and uh, and and you know what it what hit me there, Kenny, is yeah. uh, I came to an aha moment, and the aha moment was, who am I to live in judgment judgment of their marriage? I don't I don't get the right to do that. The only two huh? people that get to live in judgment of their marriage was them. Yeah. And if they liked it, I liked it. And I said, and I took, and I thought to myself, I did it some, some great thought, you know, after my mother passed away and I said, you know what? Love has many faces. It don't have to look, it don't have to be in the, um, in the confounds of what my parameters are. It's within the parameters of those people. And then yeah. anybody else looking in, you're just looking through the fucking window. You know, you can mm-hmm. offer advice and shit like that. But, you know, the biggest thing, stay the fuck out of you. Stay in your own fucking business and, yeah. and you'll be stay all right. <laughs> That's right. Don't be fucking putting your shit and somebody else's nose, I mean, putting your nose in somebody else's ass because you're not yeah. going to like the smell, you know, because I, I know I used to have friends call me scallywag, yeah. scallywag. Hey, you, you got a, uh, can you tell me? I said, no, I can't tell you. And they said, well, why, why, why? I said, because that's you. You have to, you have to, uh, I'm going to put a little buzzer here where's my buzzer here i'm gonna put a buzzer so i know where to cut my fucking name out of this shit <laughs> so anyway um yeah game show. anyway i gotta go back two minutes from this okay anyway they would sit there and say you know help me with that help me i, I said no i can't help you i said because who who am i who do i know i mean how do i know anything about your relationship you know there's two sides to every story and if you pick the wrong side i tell you one thing you're gonna lose a friend because those two fighters are going to come back and 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 believe me they're gonna fall back in love and they're gonna say hey you know what that motherfucker said to me about you (laughs) see yeah so you have to play it smart and say oh i'm not gonna be involved with it anyway but um that's that's where I think. So we, we've kind of de, uh, deconstructed this guy. So he's one of these right, right wing Christians, you know, and uh, what I found is all these people will tell you how to live your life. Don't have, 
don't don't have no control of their own life. They're hiding yeah. secrets. They got a closet so full of baggage that'll scare your ass. It looked like a Halloween, yeah. uh, what they call it, a haunted house. Because sooner or later, they shit's going to come out, you know. But that's 100% right, because usually when the motherfucker's sticking their nose in your business, yeah. that's because you got no fucking life. That's it. If you got you know? life, if, if I'm happy, you know, if I'm happy with my life, I don't care about your life. Yeah, I'm not going to get in my, my business in your life. You know, I don't care about your life because it's your life. You know, it's your gift, you know, and you get to fuck it up the way you want to within reason. You don't get to beat up on people. You don't get to uh, stalk them and say you're going to kill them and stuff like that. You know, and I've seen in my career. I've seen some crazy shit that people, uh, you know, start that that a woman told them, Hey, it's over. And they sitting outside their house and they think giving them flowers and stuff. And they called me up and they said, well, why won't she love me? I said, well, because she doesn't love you. Okay. Do you know why she loves you in the first place? No. No. Well, if you don't know why she love you, why are you trying to understand what you can do to make her love you? See, because CNO, what they call Cyrano, Divergerwack, that's bullshit. If a woman doesn't have a thing for you in the beginning, you're just setting yourself up on sorrow for the rest of your life. Because, you know, if she doesn't have that chemical thing that comes on in her her brain to say, ooh, that's a nice-looking guy. I'd like to be around him. You know, he's handsome, you know. I find him attractive. When he kisses me, it's it, it makes me intoxicated. So all that shit you're leaving on the table when you try to make somebody love you. Okay. See, this is some heavy shit there. The scallywag is breaking down some shit to you people. You break, you breaking down government love and birth. <laughs> That's right. I'm telling you that the government and uh and what life is. That's what life is about. You go for who goes for you. Those I wish that I would have taken that advice so many times. It would have caused took away so much anguish in my life. Because I can tell you so many times where I saw this woman or this girl, you know, and, oh, God, I thought she was beautiful. And and when I talked to her and stuff, it wasn't making it for her. And then I continued to pursue her, you know. Mm. And you know what happened, Kenny? What she did, crush your heart? What happened was she... (laughs) Didn't find me attractive. She had no in. I wasn't her type, and it wasn't going to happen. She'd go out with me, and sometimes I even got to sleep with them. But for real, I'm, yeah, I even got to sleep with a few of them, you know. But in the interim, what I found is that the person that's going to that really keep wants you is the person that's smitten with you. When they, when you found them, when they talk about that shit, love at first sight, it may not be love at first sight, but, and they can evolve to love you, 
That's true. But then at some, at a certain point, they have to have that same intoxication that that person has, you know, you know, so uh, it has to be that chemical thing that fermoins, 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 whatever it is. Yeah, I'll get the word, but but the uh, the uh, things that's the, the chemical composition that makes your brain intoxicated, that makes you fall in love, that get, makes you give you that euphoric that euphoric feeling. Then, if you have that. Then you're already yeah. halfway there, my friend. You're a lucky guy. You're a lucky guy if you got that. Oh yeah, you're you're halfway there. If you don't have yeah. it, all you're gonna do is be trying all your life. And if you want to be trying all your life, if you want to be on audition all your life. Keep on with that track, but let but listen to the advice of the scallywag. It may take you a number of years before you. I'm talking about the young people that listens to this. Listen to me. You go for who goes for you. You know? But sometimes love is not in the air. That's right. <laughs> love ain't in the air, and you have to accept it. And you, but whatever your fantasy in your mind, whatever your fantasy in your mind, it ain't going to be, it ain't going to come true. It's just a pipe dream because sooner or later, she's going to find that person that does that for and what are you just an albatross around her neck but then it's going to be the break in your heart because you put all your eggs in that basket and in the inter i mean in the end she found that person that drove her crazy you know know what's crazy about that bro what That, that person and be in that relationship knowing they don't love that person yeah. until the right person come around. That's right. Brother. That's right. You said, <laughs> you'll do for now. <laughs> yeah. What did they call What was that thing? It says, not Mr. Right, but R- Mr. Right now. Yeah, you right now. <laughs> so Mr. Right coming. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Right Southland. is coming. But see, and you're going to be the person. Left of Lamont. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're going to be the person that's going to be um, uh, out here with your heart in your hand, you know? Yep. So. Standing outside in the rain looking at the front door. That's right, you know? And then the whole thing about it is just what I said, that gift. That love is a gift. And that person gives it to you for as long as they want to. If you think a, a marriage license or a church wedding or all this you know, fluff that you put on the front of it, the beautiful wedding ring or anything, you know, no, that ain't going to keep her. Uh-uh. That's not going to keep her. It's that. Already was planned. <laughs> yeah. It's that chemical reaction that drives her crazy. Because like I said, you're already halfway there. You're three quarters of the way there. You know, you're three quarters yeah. of the way there when you can, uh, what is, what is, where does love come from? Where does it, where does it evolve, Kenny? That's what I'm saying. Because it, it comes from the mind. Perfect to have a fucking change of mind at any given time. So that's right. Say so it's in the mind. That person yeah. falls in love with you. The thought of you in their mind. Okay. Now you can look. You can have uh, 
a jigsaw mouth. You can be an ugly fucker. But if they are intoxicated by you, then you're already there. Now, if you can throw down in the bedroom too, that's a, you just now, you just meant from 75%, you went to uh, uh, 80%. You know? Yeah. If you can throw down in the bedroom, then she'll say, ooh, hold on. He can throw down more than better than anybody I've ever had before. Rufus can't do it. And I was looking at Rufus. Because she knows she she's been let down before. But if you you throw her, you throw her, you you uh, you give her the great love making and, uh, you know, treat her right. And, um, you know. And it works out, and that chemical components there—you're already eighty percent. You ain't got to work that hard anymore, because that person in the bedroom—that's right, in the bedroom—and you know that. You know, if a, if a a brother throw down in the bedroom, hey, I'm telling you, that's going to be it. Anyway, we're off on the side trip, but I'm just—I—that's I, really important to me because I want people to know that because there's so many sad sacks walking there. I have a person that I, I'm a friend with, and he told me, "Well, I'm," he said, "I I can't get along with anybody," and he's close to my age. He said, "I just gave up." I said, "You gave up on life?" I said, "There's somebody out there for everybody, but yeah, there is. I mean, there are somebody there for everybody, but then some people have something in their head. I have a friend; he's he's older than me, and his thing is 25 years old, 25 year old girls. Now what? you 70, what are the, opt- what are the chances of you getting a 25 year old girl? You got to have a big pension or some shit. <laughs> you got to have some. And then what is then, then what is she in love with? Not you. She She's in a- love. Oh, that That's right. So if you if you you're it's not she's not gonna have that chemical component either. She just loves you for your money. And there's women yeah. like that. We had people that I work with and they had these fabulous wives. I mean, they go out, we we'd have these uh firefighter get togethers, and these guys mm-hmm. come in with wives and their wives look like uh porn stars. I'm I'm not kidding you, Kenny. I mean, had the fake uh, boobs that you know they right. had every every operation known to man. I mean, and they, yeah. And then I asked, I said, "Where'd you?" And this is ugly homie guy. And he, I said, "Where'd you find him?" In the titty bar. Okay, so that guy is that's so sad because he never knew if that woman really loved him for him. She Did knew. He <laughs> She knew that he had a check, right? Yeah. That he was pulling in some bank and he had a secure job. He had benefits. And and as a firefighter, you got to get rid of that motherfucker every, one day out of three. So you was bound at home by yourself one day out of three. So two and a half days a, a week, you, you didn't have to be d- dealing with that fucker. So that's the best possible relationship right there. And then if he was one of these people who worked all the overtime, some guys work overtime. They work like four days a week. That's they were never. Yeah, that's right. So you never know. 
So anyway, long story short, you go for who goes for you, and you'll know it. You know, you you know, you've been there, Kenny. Haven't you found some girl that just saw you at the moment? Mm-mm, you just yeah. As soon as I picked that shit, bro, I was fucking jump ship. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you jump ship? Why you jump ship? Man, ain't got time for all that bullshit, bro. <laughs> Well, you got to be open to the possibilities, Kenny. Well, anyway, okay, here's our next topic du jour. We kicked that off. Uh, we want to talk about the UAW. We talked about that a couple of podcasts ago, and we were talking about, you know, the uh, struggles, and we thought that, uh, you know, that they're, uh, the pension, I mean, not the pension, but the wages they were asking, I think they were asking like 40-something dollars an hour or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and a lot of people get all jealous about that. I'm not jealous about it because what they, uh, a rising tide, you ever heard this, lifts all boats. So if somebody else gets an opportunity to make a little bit of money, that means one of these days that that tide's going to come in and lift your boat too. Direct example, Toyota raised pay across the board in response to the historic UAW uh, settlement. Now, they don't, Toyota does not have UAW workers there, and uh, usually in non-union states like in Alabama and Georgia and shit, right-to-work states, they call them. Anyway, but they still got a pay raise of two to two dollars and ninety five cents an hour, uh, or three dollars and seventy cents an hour bump. So that shows you that your efforts as a uh, the UAW, you thinking they're out there being selfish. But hey, what did they do? They lift the boats of the people that's not even in their union, you know, and uh, they made their lives better. So when I told you along uh, that back then, I said, I said I didn't like my union. I'm gonna tell you. You didn't like who? Oh, I didn't like the union I was in as a firefighter. Oh yeah. Oh no, I didn't like them. But I knew without them, I was uh, I was like a clay pigeon, and the city I work for would fuck over me in a heartbeat. Uh huh. So. Without that union, I was defenseless. It was just kind of like a policeman with a bulletproof vest. I needed that bulletproof vest. But I'll tell you one thing, that union got me medical insurance, got me health insurance, got me a pension, got me, uh, and they still work for me today, even though I'm retired. So I may not like all the things they do, but I know that my life is better by being in it. So, yeah. So, anyway, that that's the other thing. So, what do you think about that, Kenny? Man, I think that they should pay people big time, bro. Because, man, it, it's crazy because everything else is going up. What the fuck you think people are just keep struggling? You know, ain't making ends. Man, this shit, all this shit, all they mathematical shit is fucked up, bro. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, you know what I want to ask you, Kenny? I, I got to do this sidebar. What's the biggest tip you ever had in being Uber? The biggest tip? Yeah. $100? Woo! 
oh shit who was that was that uh uh some uh movie star uh, old man. i was helping him with his wheelchair and shit and i had to, took him to go get some guns some gun? he had bought the gun uh-huh. and he recognized me from the show and he gave me a hundred dollar tip bro yeah. he said i'm I'm giving you this shit, man, because you made me laugh so many times. Bro. Wow, okay. I'm like, wow, I should do stand-up comedy or some shit. <laughs> well, didn't you used to do stand-up? Didn't you used to work at the comedy store there, Kenny? Yes, Laugh Pack. Yeah, I was a bouncer there. Oh, okay. But you never did go on stage? Yeah, I went on there a couple of times, but I didn't take it serious, you know. I was just being myself and well, wasn't really, I was into being a bouncer, you know. Yeah, well, it's like controlled everything. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, yeah, and if you guys don't know, Kenny, when I call Kenny big, he's a big guy, so that's why he's about <laughs> <He> big. <laughs> yeah, see, now, hey, and and along with this topic du jour that we're talking about, we're talking about wages. Uh, I've got a topic right here. Senator uh, Bernie Sanders introduced a bill to tax Walmart and Amazon for not paying their employees a living wage. Now, I want to preface this and kind of set down the groundwork. You ever heard when Walmart goes to these Chinese communities and they have like a mom-pop store, a little small town, and, you know, they'll look and see how many towns and what's the people flow, and then they'll say, oh, well, we can put a Walmart there. And then, of course, they drive out all the little small mom and pop stores. Yeah, yeah, they get rid of the mom and pop stores. But, and then they uh, hire the people there. And there's probably some unemployments in these little small towns. But what they do is they go to the cities and they say, hey, we'll build a Walmart here. But what can you do for us? Okay. So they go and they extort the people. Now, Amazon, all these people do this. They want you to, they don't want to pay any taxes for so many years. They'll say, okay, well, you give us a, a, a tax waiver for five or 10 years. They don't have to pay any property tax. So mm. let me, let me ask you a question. Now you come into a community and want to be a part of that community. Now you're, your spiel is we're going to make this community better, but you don't want to pay the costs for that community. Okay. So what they do, they pay them uh, low wages. Okay. And they mm-hmm. don't give them any benefits. They don't give them health insurance because they keep their hours low because you know, if you keep a person's hours under a certain amount of hours, I think it's 30. Yeah. Hours. They, they- qualify they they don't qualify for benefits you know and they'll tell you all these great benefits but those are the people that keep the hours you know what they do is they if they like you they keep you in they they'll give you the 40 hours if they don't like you they just keep you and you're working like a temporary okay so but along with this okay so if the people are not getting a living wage where they can go out if you're making 12 bucks an hour at a Walmart, twelve bucks after they take out all that bullshit. So you're looking about like nine, nine something. Yeah. Okay. So they they take that. You you making nine dollars an hour. You're working forty hours a week. Okay. And I'm gonna do the calculations here on my little 
calculator here. So let's say it's $9 an hour times 40 times four weeks. That's $1,400, 1440 a month. Okay. Well, you ain't living in no, um, you living in a, um, a bachelor apartment. Okay. Okay. So you, uh, you can't do that in Phoenix or, uh, cause your air conditioner bill in the summertime is going to be about 170 bucks for a one yeah. bedroom apartment. Okay. So that there's 170 bucks gone. And then we already talked about how rents are sky high, right? Yeah. So you, so your rent is, let's say I'm going to be conservative. Your, your rent is $800 a month. That's more than half of what you got. Now you got to eat. You got to buy your clothing. You got to do that. Where do you have money for health insurance? You ever bought health insurance by yourself out of your pocket? No, indeed. Well, I have, Kenny. When I retired, you know what my health insurance uh, was costing me every month? $2,300 a month. Well, you at the top of the line, huh? Oh, hell no. I just had health insurance. It was in the middle of the road. It wasn't the top of the line. You know, it was $2,300 because that was what my employer was paying for it. When I, when I retired, they wasn't paying anymore. They would pay, uh, that when I was working there, they would pay 80% of that. And I would pay 20%, which was a great deal. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> but when I retire, it, the the re- roles reversed. I paid eighty percent, and they paid twenty percent. So, what I'm trying to say now, okay, with Obamacare, now they subsidize and help you with that, okay. But tell me, who's paying the Obamacare taxes? Me and you, right? Yeah. So this employer, they're not like the city I work with who goes up there and got a contract for all their employees and they're paying a living wage to their employees. I never made a lot of money. I made enough to get by, I made enough to buy a house, buy a couple of cars and stuff like that, have a comfortable living. Okay. And I'm happy for it, you know, and I still have a comfortable living. But what I'm trying to say is that my employer was a responsible employee employer he paid what for me to live in that community he paid for me to buy my house he paid for me to buy my car to pay for my tax my insurance everything i was not a drain on the uh, community right uh-huh. I was, yeah. I was a functioning part of that community i paid my taxes i paid my water bill i paid my electric bill I did everything that everybody else does. Now, Walmart doesn't do that. They don't, they, they don't pay by the same rules. See, and my employer was paying taxes into the state and all the rest of it. They were being productive. Now, Walmart comes into a community and say, Hey, for 10 years, don't, uh, don't pay, make us pay any taxes. And cut our sales taxes. The cities have sale taxes, and the state has sale taxes. And they get these uh, these uh, little uh, agreements where they even don't even collect the sales taxes. So mm. now Bernie Sanders says, "Okay, well, if you're not going to be productive in the community, then 
why should we subsidize a private company? Walmart is one of the biggest employers in the United States. Why should you and me and every community subsidize their, uh, their franchise? Because they're, they're selling to us. They're making money off of us. Mm-hmm. And in their wake, they're closing Ma and Pa uh, locations. They're giving people that are out of work jobs. That's true. They're, they're, uh, you know, the people in the community are getting something, but why should that Ma and Pa have to pay taxes? They're paying their property taxes. Now you're putting them out of business, so they're not going to be paying any property taxes anymore. But they're yep. paying property taxes. They're paying their employees a living wage, probably, and getting their employees are probably getting health insurance. It's probably not the best, but they're getting some kind of health insurance or something like that. Anything if you're, go ahead. Anything to help these days, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, what? But th- by this stretch, that these guys are getting fourteen hundred dollars. And they're the biggest employer in the United States. They need to pay their ways. You know, uh, and, and let's, you, let's put it on the opposite thing. Uh, Ford, Chrysler, uh, General Motors, all these companies, they come into a community. They're not getting no tax breaks. They're paying for their property tax. They're paying their employees. They're giving them a living wage. They're giving them health insurance. They're giving them a pension, you know? So why should this employer get more than the other employer? That's huh? great. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> yeah, that. I, and the bigger Amazon, you are, the less you got to pay. What was that? The bigger you are, the less you have to pay. Huh? <laughs> oh, well. You know what it is? It's on property tax, but uh, you know I found out something else. It's about your the number of uh, uh, fixtures in your bathroom. Believe it or not, um, the amount of fixtures in your bathroom. Now I got I got a pretty big yard. I got like a quarter of an acre, but uh, the um, I have uh, like uh, seven fixtures in my house. That and that makes, raises my property tax. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. And they count the toilet as a fixture, the um, the tub as a fixture, and uh, the uh, two. Each one of my bathroom has two sinks in it, so those are two fixtures. So anyway, so that they call fixtures, huh? Yeah, so they have a fixture. Now I may be a little bit wrong, but that's what that's kind of what the lady told me. She said, oh, yeah, those, those, it's the amount of fixtures that you have in your house. So, and you could have a little small house and have all kinds of things. You'd have like three bathrooms or four bathrooms in your house. Every, every bedroom, you can have a four bedroom house and every bathroom has a, uh, a bat. I mean, every bedroom has a bathroom in it. And now you're getting charged for more than I am because you have more fixtures. <laughs> mm. Hate that some shit. <laughs> I was I was wondering. My neighbor across the street from me has a dinky little house, and I was looking at it. And I said, "Why is he? Why is this house? Uh, you know, he's got a higher property tax than me. Well, because he was uh, before his house was uh, up for sale. I mean, when it was built, it was for a handicapped person, and they had to make these 
you know, separate showers and bathrooms and stuff in there. So he had more fixtures than me. <laughs> anyway, uh-huh. well, so let me see here. What else? Uh, what else do we have left to do? Um, uh, I'm looking at, oh, um, I was just talking about Amazon. What do you think about, this is going to be a little quick topic. What do you think about, there's a, uh, there's a British biotech company and they, a Bri- a biotech, company? biotech company, Jeff Bezos has money in it and they are, they're on the cusp of found the, uh, finding the, uh, uh, drugged to make you stay youthful all your life. Make you stay beautiful. Youthful. Like young. Youth. Young. I'm about to say, it makes some of you, some of us monsters out here look pretty shit. That thing gonna go crap. <laughs> no, but it'll make you, uh, it, it'll keep you youthful and, uh, you know, to make, uh, slow down the aging process. So, hmm. what do you think about that? See, uh, I, I put a little bitty one on the end of this podcast. What do you think? They need to leave their uh, the human development alone, bro, and just let 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 times go like they're supposed to. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Then they're gonna be another side effect thing. You don't know what the hell is gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, see, that's uh, that. Uh, I I don't know. I I I was thinking about uh, that. You know. Thinking that, oh, what if they found something uh, that was a, a fountain of youth or something like that? And, uh, you know, it has a monetary value, so they're going to give it to his poor fucks. So, you yeah. know, it'll be only the rich people, you know, somebody that's a movie star. Oh, yeah, like Harrison Ford or somebody like that who's, you know, long in the tooth and want to hang around a little bit longer. But, you know, I had a friend, and he passed away, what, about six months ago and he was 105 years old and 105 105 years old fought in two wars and uh you know and i asked him i said it must be great to be that age he said you know it is you would think and he says but sooner or later you wake up in the morning and all your old friends are gone and it's sooner only- or later Sooner or later, you wake up in the morning and all your old friends are gone. And I, yeah. I told him an easy way to fix that is to make new friends. He said, nah, but it's not the same. And I can understand that. You know, there's a, a commonality, just like me and you. We both know who the spinners are. We know who uh, the temptations are, you know. And that's my, my – uh, what I can't understand is a lot of people who like mess with like young girls who are like 19 years old. And I asked them, what do you talk about? You know, what would be the, the, uh, conversation that would come out of your mouth? <laughs> you know, I, and you know, one of them told me, he said, well, I don't care about a conversation cause I'm not listening to it. All I care about is how she looks. So, hey. I how guess she how she looks at so 19 years. If you're like uh 60 years old and you're dating a 19 year old, you, you, don't, <laughs> you don't care what she says. She, she's teaching you all these words that come out for the, from the vernacular and how to operate your smartphone and stuff like that. So in my last, yeah, in, bro. yeah so where my my last thing I promised I wasn't going to get deep in the war 
but uh, you think that uh, I'm going to ask you one uh, Hamas and Israel question. You think they're going to be a cessation of the bombing in the Gaza Strip? It's going to be a what? I know they already bombing Gaza right now. I know. Cessation means to stop. No, it ain't stopping. Uh, you think they're going to go on? Do you, you think that Israel can uh, continue and uh, suffer the uh, the outrage of the world community and uh, continue to the, uh, do these uh, bombing on civilians and continue to get away with it? No, I think one of these other countries is about to stick their nose into it, and it is about to be over in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Somebody that's really close to them probably going to do some shit because something needs to stop, bro. That's, that shit is so sad, man. Yeah, yeah, I believe you. Because I mean, if they're going to do that, they're going to do another country after that, and then another country after that. Man, somebody got to put their shit to stop. Yeah, well, yeah. It's right what we say about this podcast. You condone this shit. You got to own the shit. They're going to own your shit. And right now we're condoning these people committing atrocities and with our munitions, our weapons, and they're doing it under the guise of self-defense. And we've already discussed in the later pod, earlier podcast. Yeah. Well, what makes a person think they way is the best way and they are the best way you know what i mean yeah <laughs> no no and then they asked me they asked people on the uh they asked people i was listening to one of these radio shows and they said well what would you have us do uh you know i said i thought to myself i said there are there you know there's hundreds of examples of people being attacked and not uh responding and uh by attacking civilians, yeah, you know, there's hundreds of ways of doing that. So nothing to do with that shit. Me killing all the men, yeah. people. <laughs> like that, that to me, um, blows me away. I was watching uh, Ali Velshi, and he was uh, interviewing um, uh, Israel's older prime minister before Benakam. Is it Benakin Vega? No, no, no. It's um, Benjamin Netanyahu. Well, anyway, this guy was before him, and uh, he was saying, you know, they got he was only in there for like a year, and he says, well, uh-huh. and, you know, and I, I am amazed at how now these people, um, which you don't, which you probably don't know, is you you you've you've heard that term anti-Semitic. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, the Israeli people and the Arab people are all Semitics, Semitic people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're cousins. They're actually cousins. You know, their the blood l- running through them are pretty much kind of like they're related. So it's like the Hatfields and McCoys, but these people cannot see each other as human beings, which it's is, sad. it's strange to me. And it, it makes me feel that there, it makes me feel that there's no hope for humanity that they cannot see it. Cause the, uh, Velchi asked this guy, he said, 
and he says the guy goes on a rant and you know i can understand i'm going to i'm going to preface it he says well he says what your your question shouldn't be uh says so what about the palestinians it should be what about the 1400 people that died okay and I said, and and you all you have to do is recognize that okay but the people who are living in there the the car mechanic the teacher the person who's uh delivering groceries the guy who works on the street the plumber that goes around and fixes fixtures in a house the electrician they didn't have shit to do with that but their <laughs> their house is gone their relatives are gone you're dropping a bomb on them and then he asked him a poignant question and to me this is the uh this is the crux of the question he says do you feel anything for the children who are dying in palestine and he could not bring himself to say yes now, that is a poor excuse for a human being because i can tell you i can read in history about the Japanese and the horrible things they did to the Chinese there, the experiments they performed, the massacres they did on the beach against the, uh, the Australians and all of these things. But when I see a little boy, I see pictures of a little boy after they dropped a bomb on Hiroshima and he's carrying his dead brother, my heart bleeds for that individual. Because that kid didn't have shit to do with all those experiments. He didn't have shit to do with these people killing people on the beach. He didn't have shit to do with the Chinese being slaughtered. He didn't have jack shit to do with it. And I can feel compassion for that little kid. Almost 50, 50, more than 50, uh, 70 years ago now. So... Why can't you find it in your humanity to see, to say, yes, it is unfortunate. And then he went on to say, well, it's uh, Hamas's fault. And, he, and, and Bo, Velshi came back. He says, no, under international law, it's you who are dropping the bomb. It's Israel who's dropping the bomb on the people. So the international law is not on your side. And even though you're not a signature to the uh, convention that says this is unlawful, you still have to be held accountable for it. Do you see? So that to me was very telling that they have to find their humanity. And that's just one individual. But I saw something that gave me hope, too. I saw a bunch of Jewish people um, protesting in Jerusalem about the uh, the bombing in, um, uh, what is it? Uh, gosh, my, my brain getting me. <laughs> it's not the West Bank. It's in... Um, Gaza, that's it. Okay. Uh, They were protesting, and they were at uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's house and telling him to resign. So that gives me hope. So that shows you that no one is complete, no group of people is completely evil. 
they are good people in every yeah. person. So those, so if they can find it, if they can find enough of those good people to come together to say, we will not be a party to this. We don't want this. Don't do this in my name. Then there is hope. So I find a glimmer of hope with those. How about you, Kenny? Man, I pray every morning, bro, hoping that Jesus just show his face and now to put all that shit to a stop. Because there's only one God. Yeah. And, they, you know, everybody's raised, raised a little different. But if he just show his face, mm-hmm. I know that will stop right there. And that's, yeah. It will stop completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I wish the same there, uh, Kenny. I'm not a... I'm not a religious man, but I wish that some miracle of miracles come there and stop the death of innocent children, women, and innocent men also, you know, because, you know, they, uh, what people have to understand that you cannot do that to people and not expect any, and not expect any consequences. And so, look, I guess what happened. One of the mother countries gonna retaliate to Israel and tear their ass up, bro. And then they gonna be look, talk, be acting like they don't want, you know, they need help. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is going up. man, they'll come be, on, bro. Wrong, they'll be the wrong. first one whining to the United States, Sam. Yeah, well, wrong is wrong, bro. Yeah, wrong is wrong. Yeah. So you know, and that's uh, that that to me is um, that's the. Um, that is where we have to try to find something, some commonality, something to but feel. You know what, what, they're saying that they're not going to stop until they kill Hamas. But, but how do we know they're killing them? They could they could make up shit and saying that they're killing them. Mm-hmm. But the, them people, the innocent people dying because... Man, that shit crazy. That shit don't even make no fucking sense. In America, up there eating on that shit, dude. Yeah. Well, you know, look, look at it the other day. They hit a hit, uh, rescues, and all they got, all they're trying to say, oh, there was a, uh, there was a uh, uh, somebody in a moss in the rescue. Well, then why don't you just uh, land? Well, some- yeah. Go That's get him. Fucking- go get a paratrooper and go in there yeah. and pull him out and bring him to trial. Yeah. But, yeah, you, but you don't. But I would, what about the innocent people? See, they yeah. think, see they have marginalized those people. So it's a it's a uh, it's an amazing tale for them because they can kill so indiscriminately and not feel that they are cure, cure, killing human beings. They have otherized the Palestinians so bad that they don't even think that's a human being. You know, just like the uh, president of Israel said, they're animals. Don't, don't tell me anything about, don't say that they're innocent people. There's nobody innocent there because, you know, what form that disqualifies you from being in any government issue be in any government service. Because if you, I understand the tensions are high. I understand that you've had this horrible thing happen to you. But as I always said, you know, the difference between a professional and an amateur, the professional keeps his cool when think, when the shit hits the fan, 
with the um with the um Germans was calling them when they was slaughtered in them. Oh, they the was same called, thing. They called them animals. They called them, you know. And how else about that? They yeah. didn't feel like no, animals. No, huh? no, no. They they um <laughs> they they want you the whole world to look at them and say pity us they want the whole world to say look what the world has done to us and i see that but you cannot go into the world and commit the same sins as the people who did to you you know you can't do that you can't be like that you know and then call it defense you know you can call it whatever you want, but I'm calling it a war crime, and it's a war crime. So you're mm-hmm. dropping bombs on civilians. It's a war crime. You're using American cluster bombs on civilians. It's a war crime. All these things are war crimes. They drop a 2,000-pound bomb in, a, in a, uh, the most densely populated area in the world and try to uh, play off the... Um, the uh, collateral damage is collateral damage, you know? So, um, no, I, I won't give them a pass for that. And, um, and I don't think the world should give them a pass for that. And I know somebody uh, is going to say, oh, you're – go ahead. The world is starting to speak out. Like you said, they got all these videos of different countries protesting. Yeah. And, you know, people in cities protesting and everything, you know? Yeah, they're going to lose their credibility. And once you lose your credibility, no one's going to listen to you ever again. So, you know, that's going to be. And if you think you're so impervious, if you think that you're uh, indestructible, then uh, that is when the hubris comes in on your existence. You believe that you're, you're immortal and you're not. Okay, because, you know, they once said, they said, oh, this is our land. Well, how did you lose it? How did you leave from there? When the hell, when when the the Germans went taking them out, what what, what part of the country they were in? Oh, they were in Europe. See, they were in Europe and they went over there to the, um, the Arab countries. Well, yeah, but you know, there, you know, there's a great history on YouTube, and I, uh, I will put it up there. But uh, Jewish people have been uh, a pariah in Europe for, uh, in the 1800s, and that became there was a guy named Herzog, I think Heil Herzog was his name. Anyway, he decided that he wanted that he uh, came. And uh, the, there was a, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you the right name for it, but it was kind of a convention where all the Jewish rabbis and the, these were the Zionist convention and they decided, and he said, well, we need our own land so we don't have to live under uh, discrimination and says as such. And one of the proposals um, uh, that he came up with was he wanted to go to, uh, Uganda was one of the lands. So they would have been in Africa, but they, they said, okay, I want to go to Uganda, 
but that's only going to be temporary until we can get into Israel that we get that will be a staging location where all the Jews who so they were persecuted see and this is my this is what I I'm trying to reconcile in my brain there Kenny a, a group of people that's been persecuted for hundreds of years do not understand cannot feel empathy for people that they are persecuting doesn't that isn't that strange to you? Doesn't that, yep. it's, it, 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 it makes me think that, you know, I, like I said, I get hope from the people that protest, but sometimes I think that maybe there's no hope for us that if we cannot see that, you know, we know everything that we have in language, every person has a mother. Every person has, if you're a parent, you have a child, you know, they all understand the agony that of your child and failing as a parent, if someone were to come out from the sky and kill your child, what would you feel? Or someone was across the border and killed your grandmother and all of the, you feel that anguish. Everyone feels that anguish. But you cannot do something just because you're angry and say, oh, I'm going to go over there and kill them all. Well, then the world will turn your back on you because you're not doing all you are is emulating the people who put you there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but that's what I feel. I feel that they're emulating the people. You know, and they, there's this old saying that said, if you, once you compare someone with the Hitler or the Germans, you've lost the argument. But I don't think that that's true. I think the argument is um, pretty, um, pretty impressive. And I think the people that are there who can think and have compassion and know that, um, that you must, you must find peace there. You know, and if they can't find peace, it's like I told you before. I said, I live in a neighborhood where people don't like me, but we get along. You know, they don't have to embrace me and love me and look out for me. You know, there's enough people to do that. And if they can't get along, build a highway from uh, Gaza to the West Bank and put walls down the highway and let those people drive up and down the highway and don't get along with each other. And just say, hey, well, I, I'm not going to give a issue a passport to Israel, and you can't. I can't get a passport to Gaza. So, but I need to leave you alone, and I need to stop embargoing food, uh, diesel, and medical supplies. I need all of that. I need to stop controlling those areas. Okay, let them control their self. And then they say, well, we always try that, but they're always because you don't let them control themselves. You know, he's always getting help from us. (laughs) No, it's what they, they, they try to say that they're innocent, you know, and I, I would venture to say a lot of these people are innocent. Some of those people and those, um, settlements were in, were innocent, but those settlements were actually illegal. They wasn't supposed to be built there. Okay. 
This was mm-hmm. Benjamin Netanyahu's idea to uh, to keep that land. He wasn't going to give it back, so he built let those settlements go in there. That's a violation of international law. Okay, they uh, seized that land during a war, and they took that land, and now uh, they they don't want to give it back. Okay, and that land was supposed to be the land that they negotiated and give back to them, okay? They think that because of before, before Germany and all the rest of these, these countries would go in and take land and then keep it. Well, that's before World War II. Now countries can't go and take countries and, and keep it anymore. That's what the fight is about Russia. That's what the fight is here. They want to keep land that's not theirs. They say it's theirs, but the world says it's not. Okay? They say, and here's a, here's a contradiction of terms, they say that the United Nations created Israel, but the United Nations told them that they needed to return the land that they got in 1967, and they won't return it. Can you be in two different worlds, say that I deserve this land that I'm living in. The creation of Israel was done by the United Nations, but Israel doesn't want to abide by the rules that the United Nations has told them about. Now, is that crazy? Yep. You can't have the law work one way. You can't say, okay, well, I was created from the United Nations. They were created from the United Nations. Okay, he said that that land was given to them or uh, that told them it was all right to have. Okay, so now when they had the 67 war, they told them, okay, that's unlawful land. You got to give it back. They won't give it back. So they're building settlements because they don't think they have to do anything. They think that the the world's rules doesn't belong doesn't involve them, and that's what they're doing right now. The world, the rules of war doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't apply to Israel. Now, now, and and they're trying to use America as example. Don't use America as example. They're a poor ass example. We're the only mm. country in the world dropped an atomic bomb on innocent civilians. We're a war yep. criminal right now. So you want, if you want to talk about something, don't use us as an example. We're not the example of the world. That's why the uh, Palestinians, Palestinians in all these other countries says that the United States is not an honest broker of peace because mm. they act more like Israel's lawyer. But anyway... I digress. See, we went all over time here. We got twenty-four yeah. uh, hour and twenty-four minutes in this. You got me on wow. a tangent, but we did go into a lot of stuff. But I think that uh, you know the uh, the only thing me and you can do is uh, uh, discuss this, and maybe someone will hear this and say, "Hmm, that does make sense," or it doesn't, and they can. Uh, they can fight back and, you know, there's, there's some people that Israel can't do any wrong. You know, I hear people say, oh, Israel can't do any wrong. And I said, well, every country can do wrong. The United States does wrong. <laughs> every country. They do, they do wrong on their own people. Yeah. So, I mean, 
as I said, the United States never found an apartheid state that it, apartheid state that it didn't love. So, uh, you know, uh, if you're looking for them as an example and saying that they're the best and the baddest, that's not true. I live here. I love this country, but still I must tell the truth about my country, you know? And if you're saying that these people cannot commit crimes because they were attacked or whatever, if we were, let's, let's give an example. If we, um, uh, if the uh, people who did 9-11 and we went over there, and we did drop bombs on the wrong country. Uh, we went over there in Iraq because they said, oh, well, they got weapons of mass destruction. And they would and it was all a lie. So now what I say to the United States, your word means nothing. You have, no, you have no credibility in the world. So don't act like you're an honest broker because you've committed atrocities. You've dropped bombs on individuals, and then you say, well, we completely support Israel. Well, who are you? The only good thing you're doing right now is giving arms to uh, Ukraine because those people were truly attacked, and those true. Those people were truly uh, committed war crimes against, and we're on the right side of that. Not like in uh, Gaza Strip, where we're on the wrong side by we're getting giving a more bombs for them because before they run out, we got to get you know they're going to run out of bombs. They dropped what did they say? They dropped six thousand bombs in that one highly populated area. Six thousand bombs. Hey, bro. <laughs> said more than we dropped in uh, Afghanistan, and we fought that war for us 20 years. That's pretty impressive. Anyway, with that, Kenny, I think we re- beat that horse to death, and yep. uh, I'm going to put your war uh, song on the end of this, and when I put it up, uh, we will give Kenny's wish for the end of war. So with that, we're going to say Scallywag and Kenny out. The world is spinning out of control. A never-ending cycle of blood and soul. Families torn apart, children left alone As they march to the battlefield with hearts and stone Why are they killing everyone? Is it worth the damage done? All tears fall like the rain As they watch and die in vain Flying all around us, there's no denying the horror of war. The price we pay for our leaders, grieve day after day. Why are they killing everyone? Is it worth the damage done?